Right. So we are on this uh, Hebrews series, and uh, we've been preaching it for quite a while because today is chapter 8. So we've already done seven weeks of Hebrews, and there is more to come. So I'm not going to give you a whole <clears throat> recap of the last seven weeks. <laughs> because you can go on YouTube and, um, and, and follow each, each uh, chapter of Hebrews. You can follow that and, um, and get up to date. But today we, we're talking about Hebrews 8. So my question today is to you, um, have you ever heard of the word covenant? Do I see a hand? Have you heard of it? You know, for well, some of them don't even know what it is, and others say, oh, that's just an old word. That, is, that was a word for a long time ago, and we, we, we don't use that word and all of that. So I thought, well, by the way, I'll just check Google, you know, what Google has to say. And if you type in the word go, uh, governant, covenant, sorry, governance, uh, there are millions of hits or results. So although we think that it's not a word that we use in, in everyday language, the word itself is used in many ways, in many forms. Because at many times, we make and we sign agreements all the time. Uh, I'm sure you signed an agreement or make an agreement with your power company or with your bank if you've got a mortgage. Uh, you always have to sign something. You agree on something that you're going to pay every month or every week uh, so that you get this uh, repayment sorted. And we do it with our phone. Isn't it? Most of us, or maybe some of you, have an agreement with your phone, and they call it a plan. Uh, but you agree to, to pay for it every month. And don't let me talk about all the apps that are on the phone. Uh, I haven't counted mine, but I probably have more than 20 apps on my phone. And when you are, want to have an app on your phone, there is always uh, a button or a click that you have to do. You don't have to sign these days. You can just click. Uh, if you agree with all the terms and the conditions that are attached to the app, and sometimes the apps uh, require uh, have access to all your photos, that's a no for me. Or there is a, they ask you for all your contacts on your phone, that's a no for me too. But there is always terms and conditions on all these apps. And if you have signed up for an insurance and you need them because of a car or a house or anything like that, um, then we come to a realization that we didn't read the fine print. And, but we have signed it and we made an agreement, but we're always not sure of the fine print. If you have been uh, reading the Bible long enough, and then you will come across to the word covenant. You will come across it. And you will find that God is not willy-nilly about making a covenant. There are some in the Bible, but it's not that God every day or every week or month or year that he just signs somebody or something up for a covenant. God is just very, very careful and very well has a purpose and a plan why 
he wants to make a covenant with somebody or with a nation. So when Jesus um, was on his last night, and quite often when we, um, we've been with family or with good friends and all of that, and, you know, and we have to say goodbye, we, we say usually quite meaningful things or important things to them. We just had a weekend with our family, and, you know, they all flew back to where they live. And we always make sure that we say we love you, always. That we love you always, we say, regardless of what is happening in your life or whatever you decide or sign yourselves up to, we love you, love you always. So here it is with Jesus. He had his last meal with his disciples. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it was his last night. And so they had a Passover meal with his disciples. And we all know this story very, very well. Um, and so then in Luke, you'll find it, which is not on the screen, but I'm going to read it from the Bible. Um, he said, he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in my remembrance. And we do. When we have communion together, then we do that in remembrance of Jesus, what he's done for us. But he had, not, he had not done the work yet, but he was already talking about it. And then he says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant. And I think we have read it, and maybe you have read it, the disciples have heard it, but maybe not really sure, what, what, is, this, what, what is this new covenant? And if there is a new covenant, there must be an old one. Because you wouldn't talk about a new, that is not an old. So Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's poured out for you. And that's why we're going to Hebrews 8 today, where we maybe get a little bit of a better understanding about the covenant. So because what is a covenant in the Bible, well, it is an agreement. It is a solemn agreement with a person or with a nation. Uh, God makes them because it, it has a promise attached to it. Um, but it is also quite sacred because God, you know, he's the ultimate. He's the, the highest authority. He'd be very careful to make a covenant with somebody or something or a nation because he is God. So when he makes it, we need to take notice. So in the Old Testament, we find, um, and you all know that, the story of Noah. You know, that God saved his family, Noah and his family, and God flooded the earth and all the people in it and all the animals and anything like that. But this is what God said after the flood. Whenever the rainbow appears in the sky, it reminds you of the covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. That was God's promise, that he would never flood the earth like that again. And what will be a sign? And we see that on and off on our sky, that is the rainbow. It's a beautiful promise of God. It is a visible sign to us that God keeps his word, and he has, and he will. 
He made a covenant with Abraham also. And he asked Abraham to go from one place to another place, to uh, really to a place that he didn't know, and he didn't feel it was his. But God called Abraham, and he said, I will bless you and your descendants and your, the nation that became a nation, and through the nation I will bless all the nations of the world. We're still living in that as well, because we're still blessed by that covenant. So what is the old covenant then? If Jesus talks about the new, what is the old then? And that was established when the Israel, Israelites were led out of Egypt because they've been in slavery for such a long time. They've been led out of slavery, and they came, um, and Moses was leading them, and they came into the desert, and they came to Mount Sinai. And there God wanted to establish a covenant with his people. And with a covenant, obviously, you know, it has, has to mean something, has, something has to be in it. And so Moses, the people were quite, you know, because God can be quite scary when he really turns up. Um, not to frighten us, but God is powerful. God is majestic. And so they allowed Moses to go on a mountain for 40 days. And in those 40 days, you know, uh, Moses just met with God, and God gave them the Ten Commandments, and they were on the two tablets, yeah, the Ten Commandments, and he gave them lots of other laws in the midst of it. As I can gather, there were at least 630 laws. And so that were the laws that the people of God had to adhere to. They were, people would say they were under the law. So, what does it have to do with Hebrews 8? If you got your Bibles out, or watch the screen, or get your phones, or anything, you're going to follow it. So Hebrews 8, verse 1 starts. Now the main point of what we're saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by the Lord and not by human hands, beings. We need to realize we're talking about Jesus here. And he, Jesus is sitting down, which is very unusual for priests. Because under the laws of Moses, or the Mosaic laws, are they called, or the first covenant, whatever name you want to give it, uh, the priests were never allowed to sit down. They did not have time to sit down, but there was no opportunity to sit. There was no chair or a couch or anything like that. They were always at work because there was always more sins, uh, more offerings for sins to take in place. And so when we read this in the Bible, that Jesus was, is sitting down at the right hand of the Father, sitting down, that means the work is finished. There is no more offerings to be done, no more sacrifices to, uh, to be given because Jesus was and is the ultimate sacrifice. So we keep on going in verse 3. And every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifice. And so it was necessary for this one also to offer something. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest. Jesus would, is, was not a priest on earth. 
because he was not on the right track. For there was already priests who offered the gifts prescribed by the law. They served at the sanctuary that was a copy and a shadow of what's in heaven. But notice, it was all the offerings of bulls and goats, and whatever, whatever they were offering, it could never take their sins totally away. So that's why the continuously happening of more offering, more sacrifice, it was an endless story. And the tabernacle was a copy because um, Moses was warned that he was about to build a tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern he had showed Moses on the mountain, how to build that tabernacle. But it was not a real McCoy. It was not the real tabernacle. The real tabernacle is in heaven. So it was a copy. How often do we make copies of things? Do you? Yeah, a copy. All Paper copies, um, someone said, can I have a copy of that? You know, I've been to a conference and they had slides and stuff like that. And I said, can I have a copy of that? You know, because you don't take it all in and you want to take it home and look, look at it again. And you never do. But a copy, it's not the real thing. It's not the real McCoy. Uh, Yalta and myself went in the early, was it in the 80s or 90s? When our first time um, when we came to New Zealand and we took our, our children to see their grandparents, obviously our parents again and their family. And so we flew over uh, Singapore and, um, and we had a few days in Singapore and we went to the markets. And we could not believe it what we saw at the markets. There was all these beautiful watches, Rolex watches, it said. We couldn't believe it, only for a couple of dollars. And so what did we do? Obviously, we bought quite a few of them. <laughs> we bought a few for our family in, at home in the Netherlands, and we also bought lots of watches home again for our friends here in New Zealand. Lo and behold, it was not a real McCoy, was it? It was just a copy. But we, it looked so real. And we thought, wow. We have to have a few of them. And you know the other thing was? We all were wearing them, okay? We were showing them off and all of that. And it was not really the real McCoy. It didn't last long. I think a month, two months. Well, mine probably died the next day. Uh, because I can't keep watches alive. Uh, and dead. Nothing. So a copy is never... It's no comparison to the real thing. It is no comparison. Anyway. Now, verse 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has re received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator and is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. Much, much better. For there is, has been nothing wrong with the first one. It was nothing wrong with the first one. There would be no place to seek the second one, wouldn't it? So there was something was not working in that first covenant that God instigated with the people of Israel. It didn't work, people. It just didn't work. 
They couldn't keep up with all the laws and all of that. And they started to be, they were very successful in one thing, was in disobedience to God. Very successful. Uh, because they couldn't keep up with all the laws. It was just too hard. And so they started to disregard God and, and behaved like that God did not exist. That was obviously no good. And then they were exiled to Babylon. Not one person, not a family, but a whole nation was exiled to Babylon. And I don't know how that would feel, because I've, we have shifted to a country, but we haven't been exiled. How lost they would feel of their own, and how lost they would feel that they had nothing going but God anymore, because they mucked it up really badly. But that's when God comes in. God is faithful, always is, even if it looks really, really bad or really complicated or really messy. God is a God who always comes through. And so while they were in exile in Babylon, a prophecy is brought. And you can read it in Jeremiah 31, but it is also in Hebrews 8. And we're going to read that, what that prophecy said, because there was a, 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 limit, a hope on the horizon. There was, hope was instilled in them that one day, here it says, verse, verse 8, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I make, I, God, makes a new covenant, when the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with the ancestors. And that's when it's called, it's a new covenant. When he, I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and turned away from me, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after the time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, put them in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they all will know me, from the least of them and to the greatest. And this week, we had a funeral of one of the greatest. When I think of uh, Queen Elizabeth, or the late Queen, apologies, late Queen Elizabeth, I mean, all kings and queens, all presidents and all kinds of people in high places, they all came to her funeral. That says something. They all wanted to be seen too, to be there, of course. And they all got an invitation. I'm sorry, I didn't. But they all be there. What is so remarkable about that? Because Queen Elizabeth was a woman of great faith. And at many times, she would testify uh, in her um, Christmas messages or at other times how helpful that her relationship with Christ was her hope, was her stay, was her guide, and it helped her. The Christian teaching helped her. 
I found it remarkable that nobody of all these people held that against her because she carried it with great honor and great humility, I believe, and she did the work that she was called to do for 70 years. For I forgive their wickedness. That's the last verse in this passage. For I, the first 12, I forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. So here we go. That, that first covenant was not working. And so then Jesus comes on the scene because Jesus is actually is the new covenant. He is it. Because nobody else will be able to do what Jesus has done for us or was doing at that time. Nobody. Nobody will be able. There is no other name than Jesus who was able to do what he did. Because Jesus became the sacrifice. It was not an animal or a bull or a goat or whatever, but it was Jesus, his body. Jesus himself gave himself as a sacrifice so it was be acceptable to God because he was the perfect, perfect person. In some translation, he was the perfect lamb. He was the lamb of God. And so Jesus obeyed his dad, although it was very difficult, but he did. And he was the perfect sacrifice so that a new dawn could come on the scene. A new day for all of us. A new covenant was established through Jesus. It says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. So who, whoever believes in him, from the least or to the greatest, it doesn't really matter where you come from, we all can put our faith in Jesus Christ. The invitation is open to all of us. And come and have a relationship with the living God. And it comes with a lot of promises. You know, in the, in the emphasis on the new covenant, it's God, what God will do. Um, so when the nation of Israel, you know, when they were in the desert, and, and God obviously spoke of his covenant, and, um, and, you know, God said, I will do this. And what did they say? Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Yeah, it's easy said and done, I always say. You can, you can all say, yeah, I do, I do, I will, but who's doing it? Just like in a marriage. On that day, we say, I, I do, or I will. Honor and respect and my husband, my wife, but it will actually going to show in your life that you're actually doing it. But God is faithful. He is. He is out of this world. This, this new covenant is out of this world because it is in this world, but it also goes on for eternity. And it depends on God's faithfulness, on God's promises to us, that he is able and willing to forgive our sin. He is. That is such a gift that he also gives us the, the gift of eternal life. That's another gift that comes with us. And then we have a personal relationship with Jesus himself. 
that is priceless. It says, but only grace can do it. We can't just work for it and ugh, do it a bit more and a bit of that. No, it's by grace. It says, it's grace. No one can become part of this covenant. We all have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Grace and faith, they go together. And God's grace is sufficient for you, for me, for us. It is for by grace you have been saved. Through faith. It's, it's not a, from yourself. It's a gift of God. I'm saved by grace. And sometimes it's good to tell ourselves that we are saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. And it's not only that we have God in us, but it starts to change us. It's, it, it starts to be internally, we start to change and transform. God changes our thinking and changes out the way we have attitudes and, and all of the things. Because it says, if anyone, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, the new creation has come and the old will pass away and the new will come. Maybe you remember how things were when Christ was not in your life. I remember the life when I was deciding, shall I do it or not? Even though I've been brought up in a church all my life, but I knew I didn't have a personal relationship with God. And I thought, no, I don't need to do that. No, no, I'll be fine. But I read a book that if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God will, will do transformational work in you. And, and the testimonies that I read were just phenomenal. It was just so attractive. And then there was one thing that was holding me back. Because I thought, if I change so much, if that's what God wants to do in me, Yalta might not like me. He might not like me anymore. And I think, that was the hardest thing for me to decide. And you know what? I did decide to go for Jesus. And you know what? Yeah, Yalta didn't like me for a while. Because it, I did change. I became slowly more like Jesus. And a whole lot of old things that I've learned just needed to go. And I needed to learn a whole lot of new things to become more like Jesus. So the new covenant is also it's a promise of the forgiveness of sin. And I think that is just phenomenal. You think, I forgive it all, says Lord. Um, and the, the law, you know, the first covenant, could never promise that. Because it was never enough. There was always had to be another offering or another sacrifice. It must have been so tiring. Those priests must have been exhausted. So what does that mean for us? That we can have this personal relationship with Jesus. There is nothing like it. It is so personal, so rewarding. Yelled me and been married for donkey's years, you know, 47. A long time. We have known each other when we were four. So it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like 
more than a lifetime. But my personal relationship with God is my relationship with God. Although we have lots in common, but I treasure the relation, my relationship with God and what He shows me, what He tells me, how He helps me, and how He <clears throat> tells me off at times. Oh, right. Okay. So if God doesn't remember sins at all, like, no more, not at all, I, I just want to think, does God have a senior moment or something? Does he not know? Of course he knows. But he doesn't hold it against you anymore. He will not bring it up. Maybe you might bring it up. Or, you know, the devil might bring it up for you. Say, hey. But God will never bring it up. Once we have confessed and sin, it's as far removed from the east to the west. Now you remember, no more. He does not hold it against you. And I'm not sure if anybody's here today, maybe you needed to hear that. No more. No more. Don't bring it up yourself. Don't torture yourself with things that you did in the past that you can't change. And you ask God to forgive you of your part. Just let it go. Let it go. Now you remember all these terms and conditions that we are all attached to all the agreements and that we make in this world with our phone and whatnot. There's always terms and conditions. And it's usually at the benefit of the company. It's never, in the end, it's never to benefit to us. But the covenant, what Jesus did, is a huge benefit to us. A huge benefit. Nobody really, nothing can compare to it. What a benefit is to have Christ in our lives, that he is our God. You can say he is our God. If somebody say, you know, it is not by what you know, but who you know. And sometimes it pays to have people in high places. Well, we need to switch on people because we've, we've got Jesus and he's in the highest place. He's sitting next to the Father and we are seated with him. That's what the Bible says. We have a friend in high places, not only a friend, He's as a brother. He's our, he is Jesus. It's, it's like family. We belong to him. It's, he's not only a friend like Yada says, but we are sisters and brothers. He is the highest authority. He is the one who intercedes for you all the time. His thoughts are always going for you. He loves us. There is nothing that separates you from the love of God. So he invites you to keep coming to him because it's finished. He finished the work for once and for all. It's done. There's no more God can uh, achieve for us. He done everything for us on the cross. He paid it. Freedom. There is so much freedom when we accept what Jesus has done for us. You know, good works does not keep or earn our salvation. 
I know a mess when I see one because I am one at times. And maybe you too. But there is no other name on earth. No other name. Salvation is only found in one name and it's the name of Jesus. And that is the new covenant. I know it sounds, covenant sounds but as soon as you accept Jesus as your personal saviour, he made a covenant with you. Not for today, not for tomorrow, but for eternity. He is faithful.